Oh shit. <laughs> Does, is, why is it is it jumping out at you already or? Oh no, it's it's it's, it's just funny that sort of uh, it's 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 funny that world events uh, and this card have all come together. Um, so the idea of judgment is it's a card of drastic change, release and review. Your current phase of life is coming to an end. Now it is time to look objectively at what has come before. In which ways did you succeed? Where did you fail? What big lessons have you learnt? Life cannot stay as it is. Change is unavoidable. You will benefit now from by being accountable for your choices and behaviour and being honest with yourself. Tune into your higher calling to learn where to go next. Pay attention to the big ideas you have now. They are not just impossible dreams. So that's judgment with two X's on it. So it's not triple X judgment. So it's not a, a mid 2000s hardcore band. It's a tarot card. That's a really, really good joke that everyone will enjoy. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. Welcome to Fuck Your Tarot Lady episode 37. My guest today is returning, Luke Frizzon. How are you, man? Not so bad. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. You've been a bit of a, a beacon of light in the pandemic as someone that can <laughs> share a good meme or a good Instagram kind of direct conversation, which uh, I really appreciated in the pandemic. And I was awesome. like, you've got to come back over once. Now we're, we're free to go. We should, we've got to do another podcast. Now we're in a to. newly haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got a haunted house for you this time as well, which I'm yeah. sure you'll appreciate. Oh, that'll be my end game. I think the the... The ultimate goal is to try and become one of those old school BBC presenters, like mm -hmm. um, Tony What's-His-Face, the guy who played Baldrick on Blackadder. He's always just walking around like, now this is a really old shitty looking home. Like that would be me, but with haunted houses. But then, Like on know. a YouTube show or like a, like a cable show? Like what are you thinking? Like what's the production budget Th for your haunted house show? Thinking very overly stuffy, out of touch, uh, lifestyle channel kind of show. <laughs> like um, escape to the haunted country? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's and it's clear that the ghosts don't want me there up in their shit, and I'm just being really, really annoying. So <laughs> it's exciting times. It I look forward to that in your future. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a really good career shift pivot. You yeah. know, people talking about COVID pivots. It's like, nah, I'm, I'm a haunted house TV host now. Yeah, or just to become a haunted house. <laughs> you know, be the haunted house at the end of the street you want to see in the world. That's right. Yeah, it's good advice. It's good advice in that little curly font. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Live, laugh, haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot's happened uh, musically for you in the pandemic. Last time mm. you were here, you were talking about this project growth that was uh, starting to form. Yeah, or, yeah. It was or, coalescing. So yeah. I think we'd been working on everything for a couple of years at that point um, and had finished the album. Um, and now it is out tomorrow. Oh. So Friday, December 4th. So I'll make sure this episode goes up tomorrow so people excellent. can jump across the Spotify link and listen to it straight away. Now, you've nice had one. a couple of singles already out since then mm. and a cool video, which we were talking about off mic before. Yeah, um, yeah. How was the challenges of getting all this stuff sorted during a pandemic? Well, um, I found that the, 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 the logistics of the film clip for Soul Rot was a bit more difficult. Uh, the Cigarette Burns film clip we did in uh, December last year so oh. we're sort of just sort of sitting on that one um but yeah the the soul rot one uh we were going to be um getting it done here uh with with a couple of fantastic uh, people i think dave hunter from circles who does some amazing film clips um he's done some work with killer horse and that kind of thing in the past um 
so yeah, we're, we're going to be uh, getting him in and, and making this whole big thing, and then um, we all got sent to our rooms. So we had to um, get Adrian uh, Golby, who did the last clip, but thankfully was available um, to do one more. I think he hasn't; uh, he's not planning on doing many more film clips after this one. Um, so we got him to just. Uh, he got some very enthusiastic mates of his um, that happened to have some great acting chops. And they went and found a bunch of abandoned locations until they found a really creepy one that they didn't get kicked, uh, kicked out of within 20 minutes of being there. Um, and we made this uh, really sort of hallucinatory, um, well, it's an illustration of, I guess, what could be considered like a, a, a psychotic episode um, or in, in a peak point of peak distress where everything starts to become really fragmented and um, unreal. Yeah. So we're looking to illustrate that. And he was using a lot of uh, elements like Mark Rothko. I don't know if you know his stuff. He's got like these really, really um, intense color palettes and that kind of thing he yeah. uses. And a lot of his, uh, his work is in that similar kind of vein. Um, so they're basing a lot of their, their aesthetic off uh, his, his color treatments. Yeah, I thought um, that uh, uh, what I took from it was like a bit of uh, like Spectavision movies like Handy or Daniel Isn't Real and things like that. And yeah, you're, you're yeah. into that kind of zone, yeah? Like Hugely, I thought, yeah. I thought that yeah. was, you know, I was like, oh, that must be the thing. But there's other kind of elements in that as well. Absolutely, yeah. Always always a big fan of, uh, well, especially Mandy. That was, that was one of the top ones. <laughs> I think I've sat there like, uh, I don't watch as many movies as I used to these days and... and, and uh, which isn't saying much because he used to watch way too many. But like, just one of the, it's one of those films where you just sit there like, yeah, like there's so many, you know, Saturday morning, like little kid excitement, you know, vibes that you get from it. Um, but it's also hyper violent and, and really, really gritty and all that kind of shit, too. And that last shot, man, that last shot's just like a suffocation album cover. Yeah. It's incredible. There's so, so many moments in that movie where it's just like every frame is like, oh, you can just put that in a frame, you know, yeah, like beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of that in your clip, which was really exciting as well. You know, you've got, you've got that. Yeah. Like really you said, the fractured to... psyche and it's colorful and weird and trippy and kind of terrifying. It's a, yeah. it's a new level, I think, when it comes to exploring that in metal. Like other, have other bands kind of explored that? Have you seen similar things like that or been influenced by it? Well, I think... One of the things that we saw a lot of, um, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of too, is that the mental health and health overall has been a very central aspect of music for the whole time. Um, and it's been addressed uh, pretty candidly in, in a lot of heavier bands um, from whichever perspective uh, that that band tends to want to handle it. But a lot of the, um, I guess, the illustrations that we were seeing of... Uh, you know what is what what does illness uh mean in in heavy music like how is it carried how is it expressed and it was just so many you know images of like a bald dude and a slightly green treated thing slapping his head or like you know making a making a creepy face yeah. and it was like this that, that's not it like yeah. that's not a catatonic face it's not even like a euthymic face like it's not the kind of thing you would see in, in, in someone who is not doing very very well sorry can I stop so. you there what's a euthymic face you just said what's um, uh... euthymia is uh, it's, it's sort of like this tranquil but um, almost passive uh, but it's, it's a very unclear sort of emotional output it's like this this passively ambivalent kind of uh, presentation, almost um, like 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 disconnected, empty, vacant, like, yeah, yeah, vacant look. Um, so you'll you'll see that in uh, I think it's it's it tends to be more typical in, in people with uh, 
experiencing bipolar um that tends to be one of the things that you get with uh with that is just that sort of like oh sorry dear i was miles away kind of dropped out kind of thing but um yeah all these uh i think they've they've all taken the example from uh pile in full metal jacket or whatever it is like that 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 kubrick stare and they've just limited it to that yeah whereas the kubrick stare has been a, a really good tool at, at like that's the one right where you sort of angle the face down and like it looks like they've snapped and he uses that as a device in all his movies um it's been used in in, in theater for hundreds and hundreds of years um in kabuki theater they used to do it all the time and like it meant different things so if the eyes are sort of if the head's angled down and the eyes are looking up at you it means uh they're they're actually vulnerable and more likely to be wounded um, whereas if they've got the eyes uh, head flicked up and the the pupil at the bottom of the eye, like you see with the, the grudge or the ring and these kind of things, that wild eye where you see all the whites of it, that means malice towards other people. Oh. So there's all these really, really cool little elements um, that have been used previously, but we really wanted to just like lean completely into them and see what effect that would have. And what effect so. has it has? Like, has it had? Like with... People like you, you, we talked off mic. Are you talking about you know you've released this stuff in the pandemic and you're kind of hearing back from things? How do you like? How do you get that kind of visceral uh, reaction from people if they're kind of watching it by themselves in ISO? Well, we just got to go by what they say. <laughs> um, if you say <laughs> you, you like it, then I'll believe videos? that you like it. Yeah, yeah. Some <laughs> unboxing of of the of the album or whatever. But I think it's a lot of these things. It's going to be an entirely private process anyway. Um, so in a lot of ways, I would, I would rather sort of allow people to have the space to digest it and, and, and have a look at it in their own way. And I guess give them like the absolute room and oxygen to do whatever with it, if they want to like it, if they don't, um, because it is very confronting. I've showed it to, you know, I showed it to a couple of coworkers and they felt a bit ill because there's stuff like waterboarding and implications of self-immolation and that kind of thing in there. And, uh, there's, there's. There is a few content sort of warnings in there. It does get pretty pretty wild and pretty extreme. And I think we just, uh, because we've, we're on these topics so constantly, and it's sort of been so sublimated into our into our world that we've just really normalized it. Oh yeah, waterboarding, yeah, cool man, yeah, go for it. It's like, okay, this, this might actually um, be a bit much for some people. But yeah, I think they, they, they did a wonderful job with it. Um, and we'll just have to continue to, uh, like we'll just leave it out there and, and, and keep seeing what people think of it in their own time. Some people might not make anything of it. It's like, oh, what's this? It just sounds like uh, sounds like a bus full of angry people going off a cliff and they're really mad about it. Like that kind of vibe, you know? Um, and then what's what's this video? So or the other videos? It's like, you know, what are these? So we'll just we'll just let people um, interpret as they will. But there are very central characters in them. Um, there are elements, for instance, with Soul Rot, there's, there's sub-narratives going on of, um, you know, leaning back into the past, trying to, I guess, rescue that inner child that we all wanted to, to nurture, but then finding out that the, uh, that child has sort of essentially become a monster um, and is much bigger than you. And uh, the, the sort of the urges that come with uh, that regression can, can destroy you pretty quickly. Um, and it, I guess, leans back to that whole thing of, you know, if, if, if comfort is your main uh, principle and main goal and main thing you want to attain in life, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be sustainable either. So there's some of those in there. There's, there's lots of uh, 
elements of like ideation like we're trying to sort of give an indication of what sort of flashbacks to harm episodes or, or what ideation around these might be um, it's very distracting when you sort of go on through it um, whether it's like sounds or smells or vision or whatever um, so we want to sort of get that so he's trying to just get through his day pretty much he's just trying to basically put his shirt on have a coffee and get out the house but he can't because everything's um, fucked <laughs> and the wheels have fallen off for him so that's the essential narrative there wow but again people will take um, you know bits and pieces they might just oh cool it's got a beach in it like yeah, it's a nice uh, surfy clip you know um, but there's there's a lot in there we've just crammed everything into it yeah and it's something like uh, I want to ask again from like a lyrical point of view or like a vocal point of view how, like did you have more time to cram more stuff in because it was a project that gestated for a long time did you have a lot of time to kind of thread subplots into the kind of lyrical narrative I think there was um, the lyrical narrative was already sort of it wasn't crystallized, but it was it was formed in its own sort of nebulous way um, before uh, the band came along. Um, because I, I'd started writing this when I was um, when I was in the psych ward myself, with a view towards like you know, it's almost like a journal kind of thing of like I'm going to tell tell this story and then within that writing process, yeah, you start to really abstract. You're like, man, this is we want to make this more able to connect with other people so not just um luke frizzons you know it's got to be like uh broader kind of thing and refer to um broader yet deeper things mm. so there was there was a lot of uh shifting around and that kind of thing and and the fact that so many of these songs had sort of uh the barnes's had pretty much had them um together before i came into the picture as well meant that uh some of the narratives had to sort of shift um, and, and some of the ways it was expressed obviously had to shift to sort of fit in with the music otherwise it would just be all things going at once all the time and that would uh, not really tell the story in a very gripping way it would yeah. tell it in a loud and pissy way but that's uh, not what I wanted I wanted the vocals to sort of just be an element in there yeah and you, yeah. you explore a, a bunch of vocal styles in this recording as well like the uh the album has all these kind of beautiful little ups and downs and all kinds of oh. stuff. Did you get to enjoy playing in those little bits that you maybe you wouldn't get to play in usually or? Oh, so much fun. I think there, there, there'd been a lot of practice happening uh, on GarageBand of like, I'm going to learn how to do harmonies. And then, um, yeah, we just ended up going nuts with it. And I kind of felt like, uh, I felt like the guy in Whiplash, except in this case, Nelson and Tristan doing the tracking was the, the drumming kid and I was the bullying sociopathic teacher. Like, more, again, again. Until we eventually, you know, we have five or seven layer harmonies in these things. And like, are you sure that's enough? I'm like, I need another octave in there. And just like went full diva. Um, and then gave it all to Nordstrom. You're like, a, like the Frederick Nordstrom, the guy who makes it like, yeah, you fix this. <laughs> <laughs> And Fia's response is like, wow, I, I actually needed to take a break for a couple of days and go for a walk. It's like, no. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I feel like that wouldn't happen often, would it? <laughs> it's, it's bullying your idols is a very, very, um, it's a very good thing and everyone should try and do it at least once. Yeah. So. <laughs> and do you think that made the, the relationship between you and him better because you'd given him a challenge or do you think he would have just been like, fuck these dudes? It remains to be seen. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> You'd like to hope it was a positive experience. For I absolutely would. <laughs> and then 
Uh, I kind of want to ask, it's interesting, when I spoke to Greg Prashado a couple of weeks ago, I mm. asked you what you'd want to kind of talk to him about. And you mm. talked about kind of the emotional resonance of the music. And that kind of yeah. ended up being a question. A question that yeah. we kind of were surprised by the answer a little bit in that, because I think when you write these kind of lyrics or you mm. perform vocally, like you're, you, you're kind of like, well, how would you say, curating an emotional feeling, right? Mm. Like you're yeah. trying to put someone in a, in a place to feel the way that you want them to feel when that song's playing, correct? Yeah. yeah. Whereas with him, he was saying it's more like he's trying to get the energy out himself. He doesn't yeah. kind of care what people feel. He just wants yeah. to get that emotional out on the music. When you're doing growth stuff, how are you feeling when you are kind of creating these songs and curating this feeling, this kind of mm. feeling of dread, essentially? Yeah. So like... How do you psych yourself up to do that in the recording process? Well, I think um, I think a lot of it comes from, I guess the the, the 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 most painful part is in I guess the writing of the the the, the lyrics and then the first expression of the lyrics until sort of um, all the rawness is sort of healed over with that because some a lot of these things are very very uh, they're, they're from very painful things and they evoke very painful things. And so the process for recording these is, um, sorry, I'll move the microphone in front of me for the first time this session. Hello, everyone. Um, where was I? The, the, the emotional resonance. It's, it's raw it. when you're writing it right. And then you've got to kind yeah. of re, re-explore that later yeah, you're when channeling you've got like headphones it. on and a microphone and it's like all a bit weird. Like, is yeah, that you're hard channeling to- it. So you can, you can sort of, you can hold it in a, in a more objective way. Um, by sort of I guess you got to validate it you got to got to believe it and if you believe it and you can validate the experience that you're speaking to um, and not only that but more over the way that you're talking about it um, then it takes on I guess its own little shape and identity um, in that own way and so instead of it being like this uh, punitive like oh good take shit take oh my, 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 like what am I doing like any of that kind of loss you you, you start to be able to you've got a, a character like it starts off as a nebulous thing of like what's the character of this release going to be like um or the figure that's that's you know saying these things the one that's referring to i this i that who are they what are they like um and so you can give context and give shape and make like a bit of a, a, a simulacrum is it a word? like you make a little avatar of yourself yeah. in, in that like you can you can uh, and then and color it in that way and so the the process for recording that was very like um, f- focus on on presenting this you know sad creature, yeah, um, and then the I guess the the rest of the building around that the layers any melody any dynamic shifts and that kind of thing are all within the confines of that creature's experience, and so there will be you know there's there's I guess characters or energies in the album that are like trying to eat, you know, the the protagonist essentially. They're 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 following. They're hungry. They want to destroy it. There's other characters that, um, you know, that love the protagonist. Um, we can't tell if those other characters are parts of itself or if they're you know maybe they're in an exploitative kind of relationship. Um, there's certainly references to you know like the total loss of boundary and a total loss of identity and 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 having people laying hands on that. Um, so yeah, the process becomes, starts off as this sort of cathartic kind of thing, but then it, it, it felt like I was trying to start to build something a bit more substantive than, than just that. 
Yeah. Um, so we're trying to very, very directly and explicitly trying to create a, a clear figure that has a narrative towards recovery um, with elements that people can see and identify with of like, all right, so, you know, the character, the figure, you know, player one or whatever this, this, this thing is, um, is going through these very uh, set stages of recovery. You know, there's, there's despair and there's awakening and then there's renewal and there's all, all these things that happen in between. And the fact that this recovery is never linear, it's it's more of an upward spiral with all kinds of uh, chasms and pitfalls happening in it. Yeah. Um, and so we're trying to reflect that as well. Uh, so sort of that, that downward and then an upward kind of dynamic. I think it's interesting that you do explore that because I think the problem with, I guess, the, the, the dialogue or the conversation around mental health is, is that when you get, you're either, on, there's two sides of the fence, right? There's people that understand and want to help and then there's people that don't understand and don't get why. It's like, just be better. Just, mm. just don't do this. Just what, like, you know, it's like any time yeah. you talk to anyone who doesn't kind of grasp that. Yeah. And I think that there's going to be a bit of a disconnect in media in the next year or two as we kind of explore mental health in the media. Mm. And I think that people have this kind of pretty narrow view that if you're making something about it without that experience, it's going to kind of be hollow. It's like, the guy's got a problem or girl or whoever, and then it's fixed. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I don't necessarily think that, you know, you have to have that nuance. You have, to, like you said, that upward spiral where you're still going to have pitfalls. There's still going to be problems, but it's not yeah. necessarily like this easy straight shot to recovery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's a very difficult sort of, uh, the valley that we walk through that you're speaking of is about 30 centimeters wide <laughs> and has just like lava on each side. Um, because on one end, there's very much, yeah, like there, there, there does need to be a value placed on safe self-disclosure um, because you know, as uh, I've experienced other people, I'm sure everyone's experienced at one point, like if you uh, suddenly dropped into you know a reminder of something you hadn't processed by someone blatantly, oh yeah, this happened to me. Oh yeah, I did this. It's like, oh, boom. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's an implicit level of re-traumatizing that's sort of happening within that so safe self-disclosure is 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 important it's also pretty useful in that way um because it's like all right you know well they were they had this happen this happen but we want you know to know the other end of that Mm. um but yeah they do really tend to speak to that in a pretty um quick and, and reductive kind of way don't they they sort of make it like uh yeah, like it's it's uh, this this person got it out of the way, so why can't you? You know, and that's that's the danger of it, is that expectation. Yeah. Um, and I guess on the other end of it, like sort of speaking to traumas very directly, or speaking to experience very directly, um, the danger within that is again on the on the other side of things of um, the, it, it has to be useful um, in a way, or, or I guess there is a pressure for it to be functional in a way because otherwise it, it can open the floor to all kinds of just parallel talking mm. and where people feel like they're commiserating they're actually just throwing you know experiences back off one another um till it's like a my dad's bigger than your dad kind of thing and that's 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 the danger of it and that's why it's it's very difficult to discuss these things online where we've all been trapped mm. because online isn't a conversation tool it's a message transmission tool and so you see a message and you want to reply with your own message you know so Certainly, it's dueling sermons about something that people could be, um, you know, actually sharing and healing through. Yeah. Mm. Oh man, and can we talk a little bit about like online interactions Ooh. in the last six months? Like, yeah. Um, because I think that all of the kind of the interesting stuff that you're seeing kind of pop out of these weird corners of the internet are mm. 
things that I never saw happen before, but in the pandemic, while everyone's kind of trapped inside, that's the only way they can communicate. People mm. still want to kind of, people are angry about a lot of stuff, you know, like it's just mm. this, it's a horrible time to jump on the internet. Like, I mean, the, ho- yeah. like the internet's a horrible place. Already, I think the internet uh, became a horrible place to jump on probably what, around 2001? When, <laughs> when stick death really started getting into it, you know? <laughs> I loved Stick Death. Once, once they had more than three videos with that Drowning Pool song on it, that was when everything went downhill. Yeah, and they used so. Super Beast by Rob Zombie for the Super Beast video. Remember yeah, that? Remember Super sick. Beast as a character? He got, yeah. got more and more overpowered. He just kept going up. up and up. Yeah. yeah. But, um, Do they still exist on the internet? Can I look that up? I'm writing that down. It's, it's, worth, it's worth a look, at the least in the way, way back machine. Do you reckon it still holds up? I'd say more than likely the the power of the nostalgia yeah. will be, you know, it'll be the thing carrying it the most. Amazing. Um, anyway, but, look, regardless of stick so, it's so yeah, the internet's always been a dark place if you want to go there. But I guess creeping into like Facebook and creeping into social media was something mm-hmm. that I guess I definitely noticed in the pandemic. Yeah. I deleted um, my apps uh, quite a while ago, which is a, a dumb thing to do while you're trying to actually promote an album release and let your friends know that you're doing things and whatever because that's what the site was ostensibly there for in the first place yeah. um but yeah it's 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 become this uh it goes back to again that that message transmission thing everyone was using it um as, as like the main method of uh, conversation and attempting to have conversation on these things and you just simply can't you you cannot um and we saw a lot of social skills slipping within that too mm. um, because the people felt their, their uh, skills and ability to connect with other people were, I guess, predicated on seeing them every weekend. Mm. And without that in place, suddenly everything fell apart. Um, so, yeah, lots of pissed off people. There's a lot of people that don't like dealing with uncertainties. Um, there's a lot of people that don't like dealing with ambivalence um, and discomfort. Um, none of us do. None of us like these things. Um, I can't imagine that I would go out into the middle of uh, anywhere in the world and be like, hey, man, do you like discomfort? And unless they're David Goggins, they're not going to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to sort of look at that stuff and not you know, think of a rebuke. <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you look at that, it, it gets very, very frustrating. But I guess the thing to do with that is as soon as you feel frustrated, just get off it. We, we forget that that's possible. Mm. we forget that we can uh, not reply to someone and you can let someone be wrong on the internet once in a while and that's a that's that's a very tricky thing when Riley Mm. was on the podcast last week that he talked Mm. about that as well as like where you've just got this you know angry people kind of all yelling at each other it's like it's not getting you anywhere you can just walk away from that instead of like building those stress levels because it's it's all essentially artificial isn't it because Mm. you're throwing the honed edge of your argument you've been thinking of for the last 10 months at the other person's honed edge of their argument they've been thinking about for the last 10 months and it's just like a game of conquers but with egos like it's it's not sustainable um and it leads to i guess that the other disturbing thing is that polarization we see where suddenly people with uh with similar characteristics like high pattern seeking and that kind of thing and, and, and certain uh, certain beliefs that sort of fall in line with one another, suddenly they're in lockstep, you know, uh, spouting really extreme things. Mm. Um, and that polarizes and exacerbates so quickly. Um, and it's, it's a disturbing aspect of people is that you get them into a room together and, and get them all pissed off about something. 
um, and then they'll like you, you can just point to many things and say that's what did it yeah. so yeah yeah so that part's been definitely pretty disturbing um, but it all comes down to that comfort doesn't it yeah yeah comfort of uh, comfort and control it's like you if you if you can't control the world outside then you want to control what you know about the world and and how you feel the world goes mm. it's very natural um, you, you, you want to uh, lean in and understand um, and there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of people out to get other people out there in the world um, and so these two truths can come together um, and create all kinds of ideas yeah mm. like the rise of conspiracy theories must have like shot up in the pandemic to yeah, like they used to be fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> it used to be fun it used to be like oh this is like that person you know they got these ideas and that kind of thing but it's like we're seeing the danger of the apparatus aren't we yeah we're seeing like because this Thulean society used to be fun too um going back to that talk about Vlavotsky like I did last time yeah. like blatantly you know the, the, a lot of these theories start out as a fun kind of thing a fun experiment yeah flat earth there yeah. you go like but when they get put into the hands of someone who has really imperative thinking of like this must be this way this must be this way um, and you lower I guess education standards as well across like if you look at America yeah. for instance um, and then you you remove sense of community, and that also uh, does does a lot of nightmarish things. I remember they did a study on uh, again America, the Great Experiment, um, <laughs> and and they saw that uh, after all the local news and community news uh, networks and stations have been ripped out and replaced with these you know super big syndications, yeah, yeah. huge syndications, twenty four hour news talking about all over the world, it it throws people adrift because suddenly they're not thinking about like oh you know actually the uh, the school down the road does need some money i do need to go to that fundraiser and, and and support them um or whatever you know there's a working bee on oh would like to make the place nice yeah instead of being able to focus on these things instead we're thinking about all the horrors <laughs> and all the horrors and and then uh got the media telling us that we should feel bad and we need to feel bad and we should feel angry about feeling bad yeah it's just gaslighting isn't it yeah. <laughs> it's fucking hectic <laughs> it's a it's it's uh, a problem that i don't see any answer to at the moment because we're just getting further and further away from exactly right like the community yeah. or just like just getting it back to like there's no singular answer yeah I think, well, apart from um very broad values of willingness and acceptance um there's going to come a point where peop some people that have uh, treated each other in a certain way during all this, um, you know, there, there comes a point where they'll need to reflect. Like, do you want people to feel that that's you showing your true colors? Or, you know, were you in an extremely high pressure situation with the rest of us uh, reacting um, poorly mm. you know? or, or, or not at a standard that the rest of you was up to? Yeah. Um, what do you do with that? That has to be a very personal decision. Everyone really needs to, to, to face at some point. Otherwise, we're going to see years and years of just like people holding their guilt at arm's length for these things and that shit rises blind and, mm -hmm. and creates all kinds of grossness. So yeah, no singular answer, but but the values need to be very clear Yeah. Um, for that, that sort of uh, 
social reconciliation to happen. And I would hope that people in the heavy music community, especially given that um, we're connecting and uniting uh, together and sharing and trading um, you know, values and ideas with each other based around that sense of alienation, based around that sense of feeling apart and feeling otherized, uh, tends to be central, you know, culture, uh, cultural kind of uh, motivations. Yeah, I would, I would hope that we would be able to lean on that again, because a lot of the uh, apartness and the exceptionalism that that used to uh, help people feel good about themselves. Uh, I'm not like the others. You know, the rules yeah. don't apply to me mm. um, because X, Y, Z. That's brought a lot of pain. <laughs> it's brought so much pain because it's been the... Uh, it, it, it was a cool vehicle and fun way to be, a cool vehicle for your you know, personality. So, sort of, oh, the rules don't apply to me. Yeah, it's like, 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 they're just a nut. That's fun. Um, you know, they're, they're a real party animal kind of thing. And then mm. suddenly that has become a burden for them of like, how, how can I fit within these structures of, of uh, medical emergency yeah. when, the, when the rules don't apply to me? Um, yeah, difficult. Very difficult. Yeah. It's when, something that I guess, yeah, maybe... I guess it is a tricky one because you're right. Like you've got this whole, you know, and I'm only speaking from experience from my own being like a young metal kid and then having that identity. Mm. And you, you can rely on that for a really long time. You know, mm. you can be like, this is where I go. These are the people that I see. These are the bands that I like. This is how I yeah. dress, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, I found, and I talked about this with a lot of friends of mine where it's just like, fuck, I don't even know what I like anymore. Like I don't mm. even know who I am because like your identity is based on, going to shows and doing this and meeting mm. people and like I'm a social creature you know like I'm yeah. not supposed to be poker trapped inside yeah so then all of a sudden you've got to question a lot of stuff you know and, and mm. you got to and I think like you said sometimes you're putting stuff at an arm's length until you go oh I, I need to kind of mm. bring this into my identity without you know holding it forever and never really understanding it or like I don't know like it's just hard yeah. to kind of unpack a lot of that while you're trapped inside and people are yelling at you on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. So I guess the key is to, to just, for one, get get off the comment sections. Um, oh, like I, I had some, some lady, I used to work at a gym and still have some of my old clients on, on there and, uh, and saw, saw some things around the frustrations around this. And, um, you know, I made the mistake of commenting. Mm. You know, the thing is, I, I know... Um, I don't know how I feel about, you know, getting called names for wanting to see all this stuff through without complaint. Mm. Um, having, you know, having experienced similar levels of, of, of sort of isolation medically through other various reasons in the past, it's not an unfamiliar experience um, and it does make sense. Um, and yeah, it's like straight away boomers, you know, boomers in the comment sections. You know, want a medal? You fucking, you know, think you this, you think you're so good. It's like, oh man, you are terrible at holding fear. Mm. <laughs> you are a weak person. You're presenting as a weak person. Uh, dogs bark when they're scared. <laughs> so, and you can't, you can't help it. Like it, it, you start to see people in that reductive way, you know. So you got to get off, uh, get off the comment sections. Yeah. Mm. Find ways to connect um, based on those values. It's worth having those chats, I think, Yeah. with, with mates, even if it's weird. It will be weird. Yeah. You've never had that before unless you're you know, um, at Meredith and it's 2 a.m. and you're in 20 different existences at once. 
it might be a bit more of a familiar chat, but people need to, I think it's worthwhile having the meta chats again. Yeah. This is, like the card says, this is a time for renewal. A lot of people are going to be learning how to re-embark into the social sphere again. Yeah. Um, oh, and it's been weird. It's been weird being yeah. social. Like, have you have you noticed any weirdness for yourself when you see people again now that like we've kind of restrictions of ease and like have you gotten back out into the world? Uh, somewhat, I think. Um, I think the most the most uh, Twin Peaks moment would have been um, I, I went out for a, a beer with the band manager um, in betwixt the two lockdowns, and so we we're in this restaurant that in Coburg that would usually be packed and and you know vibrant, and it's pretty much like just us and a bunch of nervous <laughs> bartenders and waiters around like oh thanks for coming in but because we really need the business but also like don't really want strangers in here like that kind of vibe so that was fun um not so much at the moment haven't really gotten too much back in we've been seeing friends and that kind of thing yeah. um, and that's been great but yeah i think we've all been very very careful and cautious um elephant in the room being probably that topic of like how did these people react um in in this year when faced with uh, colossally bad news mm. how did people react when the board was cleared and all the toys were thrown on the floor um did they throw more toys on the floor yeah. you know uh it it feels like that has become a bit of a cloud hanging over all of this is that if you if you're not certain on how people are holding this. It, it, it does feel like there's an undercurrent there, yeah. isn't there? I think also specifically when it comes to like creative people or musicians or things like that in lockdown, it's like there's this mm. pressure that you like had to have something done or you had to have something coming out or you had yeah. to write something or yeah, do something. It was... But it's like, it's such a pointless time to try and be inspired. You know what I mean? Like mm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. So it's like you've got this added pressure. It's like, well, I'm not motivated at all to do anything. I'm not yeah. inspired to do anything. Yeah. But other people on social media are doing stuff in the pandemic. I better do stuff too. Yeah. And then I think that's a bit of that elephant in the room, that cloud hanging over people. Is that like, you know, what are they going to say they did in the pandemic? Yeah, kind of yeah. thing. It's like, you got to just wash that away. Absolutely. Like if, if people are creating during all this, then they're driven by different things. They're not sitting there going, hmm, I think I'm going to make my ISO album now. Like it, it, as we've all seen, it doesn't work that way there's right. there's no like um there, there's certainly a lot more pressure within that um and there is pressure i think people are feeling pressure because they're feeling pressure from the outside world therefore usually they channel that into creating um and so without the uh, the usual avenues there it's, it has felt very messy i know um it's been very ironic for Tristan from from Growth because the first album he he wrote a lot of this material while I guess in somewhat of a self imposed isolation he was very reclusive um, and I remember having the conversation once we'd finished this album he's like man one thing I don't want to do again <laughs> is have to come up with a whole bunch of stuff while feeling secluded in isolation yeah so I had a look at our riff library the other day anyway um, he's been busy. <laughs> So, but again, fed by other things, there was that. That seems like it was fed by that similar force of um, energy that the last ones were. Um, so that was more directly informed by isolated um, processes. Mm. But just because Bonavere did it doesn't mean that everyone's going to be able to go do it. You know, love expectations. Um, 
have uh, really fucked us. Yeah. They? And uh, we need to change our, our relationship with expectation considerably um, because we're, we're holding people to standards that they simply cannot meet. We're holding ourselves to standards that are unsustainable Yeah. Um, for the sake of actually nothing. Like, actually nothing. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think of what it would be, but it's mm. like, they're just things that we created before the pandemic and mm. then the pandemic happened. It's like, well, these don't really matter anymore. Or like, yeah. you know, you can really push that to the side. And then I yeah. think a lot of times, especially when it comes to music, we're still holding it to this standard of like how it was before. And I don't think anyone knows how it's going to be in the future because it's, you know, it's going to keep changing. Yeah. And I think we're, we're um, our generation is particularly susceptible to this. Because we were born into a world and promised a world that never existed in the first place. And we have had to undergo so many of these weird changes and shifts that we, we tend to forget about it. Yeah. And you can look, un, un, unless you've got you know teenage listeners on here, it might be a bit more difficult. But everyone can look back to like 2004 and still think, oh, yeah, that could happen again. You know, like, good, you know, Thirsty Merc or, or whatever. <laughs> like, you just start thinking about the, the things from that time, like Warped and, oh, you go see Bug Dust play a show, like that kind of thing. Like just for the very Melbourne specific, but moreover, um, this false idea that, 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 yeah, we can reach back into the past and just grab things and plant them back in the present. It's like the world now is extremely different to anything you remember. Yeah. And the thing that you remembered is probably wrong. Like it's, it's, it's not, not entirely true either. You'll remember bits and pieces. Maybe that's just me projecting my own swiss cheese riddled brain (laughs) (laughs) but i think that it was interesting we were watching some of the there's that new show the reagans on stan right and there's all about like the whole reagan thing and it's like Mm, yeah he was he was pushing an idea of america that was never there yeah but then he gets up and says all that stuff and it's like i mean obviously the parallels to trump are you know incredible Mm. but even to the point where they've got a bit where his slogan was make america great again as well yeah yeah so trump lifted that Yeah. yeah But it's like he he was this actor dude who lived in this, you know, 50s style America Mm. that never existed. It's like that WandaVision show that's coming out, the Marvel one. It's like this sitcom kind of life. And it's like, well, that was never happening even when he said that we need to get back to that. It's like Pleasantville, but with prisoners of war. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's super interesting that you mentioned that, like grabbing these things and trying to plant them in the future. But like that thing, even if it was this little nugget in time, like this mm. idyllic housewife... 50s America like that wasn't already there and then you're trying to plan in the 80s when you've got like recessions and you've got like all this shit happening it's like you can't think you've got you've got all the children of the 50s um having you know they're all adults now and they've all been uh they're riddled with lead paint fumes and 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 lead fumes from exhaust pipes and they're all serial killers yeah the uh (laughs) that whole reaganomics thing like uh when, when i Getting into the political side of things, I, I, again, I try not to do too much, but the, the, the whole idea of the, the neoliberalization and the smokescreen that gets put over everything um, is, is very disturbing to mm-hmm. me because on one hand, it's, it's sort of like, it, it's reductive across the board because it's looking back at these things like 50s and whatever and, and, and um, you know holding them very high when uh, there was a lot of awful, awful things going on. Life's actually technically never been better now but we look at these things in a, with an idyllic sense. It's reductive to them. It's reductive to us. Um, yeah, there's not, there's not much good to it. Yeah, I uh, think flying that flag is not going to get you anywhere. Whereas like, it's like, that's the answer. It's like, just keep mm. flying the flag. And it's like, 
oh yeah, I think there's some stuff we really need to address yeah. instead of just fucking waving a flag and like letting that be the thing that is the thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll, we'll see how that all um, continues to turn out. But you can, you can see some disturbing parallels sort of between that, um, between America and Australia always with the way things go. Yeah. Um, and I've been dreading the fact that... Uh, these these ideas and these principles have been coming in to Australia since the seventies, and they're now firmly in place in yeah. a lot of places. Um, and if if uh, in in terms of just I guess that um, that polluted false idea of, of of what the planet is, what the country is, what you are, what society is, what people are, you know, um, once you go out into the Murdoch cities, it's uh, there's there's a diametric shift from reality into this simulation. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. the, that's, I guess, the thing that I think I noticed more in the pandemic than anything else is that we yeah. are all on a separate reality. Like, yeah. like, even if you think that you align with someone, maybe politically or ideologically or whatever mm. on the internet, it's like you're all still in different realities. Like, you've yeah. been shaped by different parents, different schools, different friends, different everything. And mm. then everyone thinks we're all in the same world, but it's like, no, yeah. we're not, man. Like everyone's operating on like different frequencies. Yeah. There was certainly a big focus, especially in heavy music, that big focus on unity and uh, like a monolithic kind of thing, like 10,000 fists or mm. that kind of idea, mm. you know, like we are one, we are strong. It's like, no, there's a lot more value in, I think, exploring, I guess, the epistemology of, of the, music listener the music maker the human kind of thing like that the philosophy behind why they believe what they believe i think they're way more interesting than just like transmitting a point of like i'm this cool cool get the uniform you know get the little twizzly thing with your hand and get the box set dvd of it later on like he that identitarian kind of thing whereas really getting into the reason why you know there's there's so much value in that so yeah. much more interest so hopefully we can start doing a bit of that now well exactly i think that the the really bold thing you've done with growth is that you know hopefully this is going to start a dialogue right like is that the, it, so what we're kind of really hoping for yeah is, is to like we're going to continue um I'm, I'm coalescing a lot more ideas around uh mental health tools that we would be at licensed to actually sort of be able to put out there um without you know i don't want to look like we're you know um noni from play school or whatever like you know yeah and this time we'll look through the nightmare window and like that kind of thing um, actually could imagine that that would be kind of sick actually yeah we'll do that <laughs> it could be fun yeah, yeah. But, uh, so with this dialogue right like mm. how you sent me a really rad video in the pandemic which was the mm. wim hof breathing method yeah yeah like that guy's great 10 minute yeah. video where you kind of run through the exercise and mm. there was something kind of really freeing about that when you mm. sent it to me and I did it the first time I was like I think I was a little bit uh, not hesitant or maybe like a little bit uh, what's the word like I wasn't I was like this isn't gonna work or yeah like, grain was, of salt kind yeah, of yeah grain of salt I guess like yeah. I just kind of took it with like, oh, I'll give it a go it's kind of fun and then like the first one I did I kind of did it and then I kept doing it after I'd go for like a run in the morning or come mm. back and it really does kind of clear your mind of if you've got like, and I'm someone who wakes up in the morning, I'm like, mm. here's my list of jobs. I'm going to do this, 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 this. And then like, yeah. you can't even focus on any of them because you're thinking mm. about all the things you need to do. Yeah. And then you do this Wim Hof breathing thing and then you're kind of like, right, I'll tackle through the list. I'll get through it. It puts yeah. like a sense of calm over you that I couldn't expect to happen in the pandemic when everything's kind of going to shit, exactly. you know? Like, what, what that's doing is it's overriding the autonomic nervous system in your body. It's a... Uh, 
very simple way to do it um, through breath work. Um, it's just that, that the Wim Hof is a really, really thorough uh, form of breath work that requires all of your effort and concentration. Yeah. So there's a lot of things happening within that. For one, you're setting up your, um, your, your, your playing with your nervous system at the moment. The, the sympathetic nervous system's kicked in because we're thinking, oh shit, multitasking, multitasking, multitasking. Uh, the, the parts of the brain are all going berserk. Like the hippocampus used to handle all of it. No, it's out the window because then we're multitasking. So it's the striatum. The striatum's like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm not supposed to be doing this job. I'm doing the job of five fucking people. So upstairs is freaking out. Um, tripping the vagus nerve system and the limbic system in the brain and the body. And so these things are all going fucking nuts. And then before you know it, you haven't even finished your coffee and you're already shitting your pants. You're like, oh God, I'm <laughs> fucked. It's 8.45, mate. Nothing's happened. Yeah. Okay. Ah! So you're in that kind of like thing and then you, you start to feel pressure on yourself. I oh, shouldn't be feeling like this. And that again, that imperative language comes in. Correct. Should, shouldn't, should, shouldn't. Um, yeah, you can just bypass it all completely by um, opening up a different system in your body. I've been learning a lot more about the body is, is incredible and how it can work with, with the brain with these things. Um, and it's a very, very valuable thing that I think we need to be exploring a lot of, particularly now while people are still feeling a lot of distress, uh, still feeling the cobwebs of, of other forms of stress that are all sort of all over their body. Um, yeah. Is, is again, talking therapies and explaining and discussing these things um, there is a value to it um, and there is absolutely a value to it mostly in that ep epistemic kind of thing we we're talking about of like alright let's figure out how we got to these places mm. um, if we all arrived at the same destination then I'd like us to know how we all got there because um, you know maybe I would like to find my way back someday mm. um, but yeah the, the, the body side of things um, there does reach a threshold um, and sometimes that threshold's very low with people. Sometimes it's very high with people. Sometimes people think the threshold's very high when it is in fact middling to low. And that is where the body uh, takes over the brain with that. And so when you, you, you other systems get tripped within your body, like again, the vagus nerve being one of the main ones, um, it, it, it uh, creates a lot of um, fight, flight, freeze, hyperfreeze kind of things within the body. So being able to reset these things functionally yeah. and, re and recognizing that there is a point where talking's not going to do shit. And we've all been at that point. We can at the very least remember that point when we were kids and someone's like, you know, maybe we've just had a scrape or fallen off a bike or something and someone's come up and, oh, what's wrong? What happened? Why do you explain it? And you flip the fuck out. Like everyone yeah. remembers that moment. Yeah. It's like, because you just can't, you, you cannot at that stage. That's still happening. Mm -hmm. It still happens in your body. It's just we've learned uh, over time um, to just um, express it a little bit differently. Um, so, yeah, we need to recognize that it's happening. Otherwise, it's going to be continually like honest feelings, you know, down here expressed dishonestly because we're trying to rationalize. Correct. And the reason I'm feeling must be because of X, Y, Z. It must be because of this party, that party, that person, this abstract um no reset yourself and then reconsider yeah yeah it's super interesting and i think that um we were watching a thing like it was like a seven thirty or whatever on abc because i'm old mm. now and i watch a lot of abc because it's you know like i just oh, yeah. need to do it i need to feel like yeah. I'm watch like out for that watch out for that uh late night i was the one that was on sky news that's now running spears oh, the yeah. bearded guy david spears i think isn't he's he got a little he's got like a little like he's got like brown little, hair with a bit of gray hair and a beard i uh, can't remember what he oh, looks man. like is he like a punt is he like a is he like a 
uh, an Australian version of like a Glenn Beck kind of thing? Is he is he, he one of those dudes? He looks like he was on Sky News because yeah. he was on Sky News. He was, <laughs> he was banging on about like the lockdown or something. And I was mm. like, oh yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. This is a slippery slope. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But on the ABC News thing we were watching, it was about like mental health and they were saying that like the effects during the pandemic are bad, but mm. they're going to get worse in like the next six months as people kind mm. of reacclimate to society or whatever, you know? Mm. And it's like, because I think you're right, there's a lot of stuff where you're saying things that you don't mean because there's this thing, like you're kind of putting it at arm's length instead mm. of kind of like reconciling those two things and just being like, yeah, lockdown was hard. I had a fucking yeah. weird time. I lashed out at people I shouldn't have or I said some dumb stuff on the internet, you know? But instead yeah. of saying that, you just like pretending none of that happened and then going back into this like social world that's not the same as it was before. I yeah, think. it's going to be very, very difficult because it takes a lot of courage. Mm. Um, and so many people have, um, when they've they've sort of, I guess, reflected on these things and spoken to these things of, you know, I fucked up, I made a mistake, um, they can remember very distinct points where that was handled and carried very, very poorly. Mm. Um, was it by their friends? Not necessarily. Might have been parents. Might have been a school teacher. Might have been something. Someone rubbed something in and rubbed your nose in it. Yeah. And so there's that that fear of having your nose rubbed in it that's driving a lot of this. Mm. It's a very sound fear to have, especially and if fear loves was, to do that. They yeah. love to rub your faces in your failures. You yeah, know? and like, especially if fear was what drove you into that point in the first place. Um, of you know fear of, of having your uh, health rights property uh, family friends things taken away very valid fears yeah um, if they've driven you into this place of panic where you've, 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 you've said some extreme things or you've reacted and exploded um, because the boundaries sort of weren't really there and now all the, the, the bad feelings are so far behind enemy lines that you just have to explode and yeah. go scorched earth um, yeah, that, 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 that fear will continue to paralyze you. It'd be like, um, I remember hearing, can't remember the guy's name, so it's a terrible way of expressing the anecdote, but there was this hiker that was climbing up Mount Everest at one point and was trapped in a snowstorm. And he said he was about uh, two thirds of the way up. And he's like, I'm terrified to move up. I can't go up. I can't go down. Um, I'm terrified sitting here. Uh, I'm terrified to be alive. Uh, um, Jeff Thompson talks about it in one of his, his uh, TED Talks, the bouncer turned spiritualist. He's um, great. But yeah, that, that, that thing needs to um, really be worked on very, very hard um, to make space for criticisms. Yeah. Um, on both ends too. Like, you know, try not to be too hard on people around you. It's very, very hard because uh, things that people have been saying have been hitting very deep on values and fears of our own mm. and there's been so much nature hates a vacuum and human brains hate a vacuum they will not deal with it they will fill it yeah and so if we've got two separate ideas such as you know uh i i i fear death and um pain and suffering and illness um, and then the other person, I fear having my rights taken away from me. These are not mutually exclusive, mm. um, but because they were expressed parallel to one another, they're they strung up yeah. like fence posts. And then in between <laughs> that comes all the bullshit. And so it's like, so you're saying if you hate, if you, you, what you hate freedom, what yeah. you, you you want me to die? Like the, it's that again. 
That is essentially, you've just boiled down the entire it's, COVID debate into those two sentences. Like yeah. that's, that's essentially what it was, right? Like, Yeah, it's like either or, either or, either or. Yeah. There, there, there are people within there that like a lot of people are just going by the fucking, again, the media. that I cannot, um, uh, cannot speak ill enough yeah. of the media. And some of it is like, a lot, a lot of it is sort of that, that, again, conspiracies. A lot of the conspiracies out there are very, very boring. Um, a lot of them are very, very dumb and small-minded, and it's just all about one person getting a contract or a tender for something that they, you know, um, wouldn't have gotten if it wasn't for other circumstances. So it's all just like really short-term shit, oftentimes. Mm. Um, and in the case of the news, a lot of it is just the same yellow journalism um, they used to call it. Uh, it's been happening for over a hundred years. If you look again, internet or libraries or whatever, um, you can find articles from the new york times and the new york post from 100 years ago that were getting thrashed for the exact same shit that they're getting thrashed for today wow um you've got people like uh that that existentialist philosopher soren kierkegaard from the 1800s saying that in the 1840s or 50s saying media is the greatest force for evil in the world um because simply for the fact that it, it magnifies you know it, it it um it tells you what to think about yeah and um they can do this with such fury and energy that it can really um, change the course of, of humans. Yeah. So it's very big force for evil. And at the moment we're seeing the force is telling us, you must be comfortable. You have to be very comfortable. You have to be more comfortable than everyone around you. You're not comfortable because someone's taking your comfort away. Yeah. And then um, again, the, and the control being the other thing like the, 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 the media is implying that you have things inside your control that are functionally never been inside human control ever um, there's there's a lot of really strong theories around like based from I guess schools of stoicism and that kind of thing um, around the idea of control um, and what you can and can't control mm. um, I've been leaning into those a lot this year and found that they've been extremely useful um, you can control uh, the things you aspire to. You can control your aversions, um, things you are averse to. You can mm. control your opinions around these things and how you express them. Um, that's pretty much it <laughs> that you have a total grip on. Everything else, even your body, as we've seen, novel diseases, zoonotic diseases, they, they, they come in on the wind and we have no control over, over our body at mm. that point. Um, so when you consider that everything else outside of that control, um, to, to try and assert control over it is trying to grip water in your hands. It's, it's wretched. It's always going to slip out. Um, so the media is telling us that that's not the case. However, yeah. um, you are all at once, uh, uh, extremely informed, independent, intelligent, um, energetic and, and dynamic person but at the same time you're also a you know, hapless placid victim swallowed by the world um, your experiences are uh, so significant that everyone everyone must understand it but it's also so profound that no one could ever hope to understand it like they're stringing up this really fucked up like catch 22 spider web yeah. for people to get stuck in and it's again even reading it makes you uncomfortable. So I can only imagine what living it must do. Yeah. 
Your skin would fall off. I'm like an allergic reaction to the world. It's fucked. It's, it's, it's interesting that you kind of frame it that way that we are kind of all stuck in this little web, you know? Like, and I guess mm. the, the reliance on the media or on social media or on that, you know, because we all need that. We need to be informed. We need to be connected, whatever. But I mm. think the people pulling the strings above all that aren't worried about that. You know what I mean? So it's like... No, we start to become a lot more aware of the systems that we have uh, built for ourselves mm. and realizing that um, how much we depend on those systems, hey? Yeah. It's like, is, is the world functionally any different um, from a year ago? Well, apart from the fact that it's fucking slightly warmer, um, nothing really has, has changed too much. If this, if this kind of, uh, you know, again, these, these kind of outbreaks happen in species all over the place all, all the time mm. and we hardly notice. And so a lot about the world hasn't changed, but our systems around the world um, are the things that have really shifted. So yeah. it's all about our experience, isn't it? Yeah. yeah narcissistic planet that we are species <laughs> yeah we we very much are and i think we watched um what's that guy's name um fuck what's his name he's like an english guy adam curtis yeah. oh yeah Have you watched any adam curtis docos in lockdown i don't think so no because no. that was we watched one and it was all kind of about like media manipulation. And they mm. had this, they had this, uh, the anecdote in the story was that like they created this artificial intelligence computer that you would kind of talk to. Or is that the one that they turn into the uh, alt-right or extremist <laughs> within like 4chan got a hold of it? Oh, no, no. This was okay. back in like the 80s. And it was right. essentially like you'd type into the thing, I feel this way. And they'd be like, oh, why do you feel that way? And you're like, yeah. because of this. I'm like, oh, because of this. And like, yeah. And then at the end, all it is yeah. is just essentially repeating back what you wanted to hear. Yeah. But they're like, oh, I love talking to that AI. And it's yeah. like, what the fuck? And then that's like the, essentially the, the premise for like all of social media now, where it's yeah. like, it's not really necessarily about a back and forth conversation. It's about you mm. saying something and you getting the right response that you want. And then yeah. you like the machine, you know? And it's- Oh man, yeah. Well, the, the social media aspect of it is, well, it's built on slot machine technology. Yeah. Um, they, they had uh, well, it, operationalism, I think it was. Like they're, they're going into um, Skinner's behavioral um, experimental shit. Like Skinner was a behavioral um, psychologist and scientist uh, from the 40s, I think it was. Um, came up with a lot of uh, interesting theories about like punishment reward. Like that was his kind of deal. Uh-huh. But the thing that really gets me about Skinner... Um, is I, I read this in a textbook in high school and it's stuck with me ever since. Um, especially when social media, like I realized the similarities between that is uh, Skinner believed that, um, yeah, you could, you could make a lot of things happen through punishment reward and that, that, that uh, creatures act primarily based on expected reward or punishment. Um, he built these guided missiles or he, he built a concept for these guided missiles um, these guided missiles would effectively act like ICBMs. They could be used to drop nuclear warheads. Um, they didn't have the technology for guided anything back then. So what did he do? He worked out a way in which he could train pigeons to sit inside the carriage assembly of the missile um, and calibrate towards target by making the screen um, look really inviting and make them really want to hone in on the target. Whoa. So they get the pigeon to guide the missile from within the missile. Once the missile happens, the pigeon gets obliterated. Yeah. As does everything else around it. I was having a really good time leading up to that point, though. I think about that a lot this year when I think about screens that want you to look at certain things. It's like, where are we being guided to? Yeah. 
Um, and and when will it explode? Fuck yeah! Hell. Well, has it already? Yeah. You know, there, 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 there are a lot of uh, things that we've been kept away from, um, not for our, our well-being, and it's not necessarily lizard people. There's, 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 you know, very scary things happening. But some of these things enter the realm of hyperrealism, like that Paul Verhoeven Starship Troopers kind of phenomenon, yeah. where a number becomes so real and so big that it no longer becomes real anymore. Um, I don't know if you've ever like you know, Starship Troopers. You ever saw like the the, yeah. the the death counts for those? It's like, oh no, we lost the East Coast of America. There are like in the ticker screen saying you know hundreds of billions dead, and you just look at it it's like oh, it's just numbers. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even we lose context of that. We can imagine what twenty people or fifty people or even a thousand people would look like in this situation, but um, not this many. And yeah. so we we we're again trying to keep that keep happening too. So there's a lot of eye opening, but not in the way that we've, we've been told to open our eyes by Alex Jones for years and years and years, but I think there's a different level of eye opening that can, can be happening here. And we can do it compassionately and patiently with ourselves too. It doesn't really take any sort of uh, righteous fury or energy. To yeah. Do. It's, it's a shame that the phrase wake up or like woke or awake or any of yeah. that stuff now is just in this cloud of things that I can't use anymore because yeah. it's like, it just, it sounds like rhetoric at that point now. Yeah, you know, when you're telling people to wake up, it's like, Oh, you can still in a nice way, you can wake up and find your own kind of yeah i think it's because because we we resent it and we bristle up against it because we've been told by um you know people that are, are, are living that sort of full you know last man kind of mentality of um they they haven't aspired to anything and now that they're they're in this sort of position where they feel that they've got the information, they become a full fucking preacher about it and telling us to wake up. It's like, no, I hold you in contempt because <laughs> I feel I'm a far more complete human being than you fucking are. And you're telling me to wake up. <laughs> Dude, I saw the, the, the greatest kind of uh, antithesis of this was mm. uh, around sunshine. When I was mm. going for a walk, someone had spray painted on the back of someone's fence, go mm. back to sleep sheep. But he'd spelt one of the words wrong. So he, it was... <laughs> Like, I think sheep, I think he didn't like Shep. E-A, but then uh-huh. changed the A to an E because maybe he's doing sleep and he's like, oh, fuck. So then you've Very just got good. this great across the whole back wall, like go go back to sleep sheep, but it was like corrected. Amazing. Paint, and I was yeah. like, doesn't that say everything it needs to say? <laughs> you know, like, it does. Like, statement. I was seeing a lot of, um, I, was, I was noticing a lot of graffiti around uh, my area too, actually. Um, more in like the more sort of uh, closer to the townhousing suburban kind of areas where there's lots of fences for this. But mm. I had my doubts about that because a lot of it seemed like it was written in a very, um, it was all written in the same handwriting. Yeah. And in a very, very slick professional kind of font Ooh. as well. So it's like, all right, so either one person's just gone out and bombed the whole town and wanting to make it look like different people with different colors or they've been asked to. This is also the, the, the area with that Alan Tudge guy um, is running. Like he's the, the seat, like that's his seat. Alan Tudge being the one that's just, you know, he was um, just as dodgy as the rest of them doing all that awful shit and, and having affairs and all kinds of shit and keeping someone, uh, keeping a refugee uh, in prison illegally because he didn't agree with what a judge said. He's like, nah, I think that he should stay in there for longer. So he deliberately kept a guy in there for a week longer than was illegally Whoa. Quiet. Yeah, he's a criminal. 
So his his town. Seven thirty report on him just recently. Was yeah, yeah. Like, so so I see his grinning rat face every fucking corner I turn. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it it shows that there's a level of uh, I guess again not not to not to go into the kumbaya kind of shit, but there's there is a level of classism sort of being placed upon us, and that comes down to whether or not you've been led to believe that the media is telling you what you need to hear. Mm. Um, and lots of people, yeah, they, they, they have uh, just flipped into this mentality. Yeah. And do you think that flip comes from the stress and like the, 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 the brave new world that we've had to kind of walk into midway through this year? It's come from... I think the stress has has been the fuel for it. And a lot of it has come from um, there's there's a lot of very 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 deep uh, currents running through society pressures um, that have been guiding our hands towards negative things for a very very long time, and it's really become exacerbated within this last century. Um, there's a lot of uh, some really, really great academics out there that have been able to identify it and, and give it names and that kind of thing. My favorite at the moment is, um, is a bloke named James Hollis who characterizes, at least for, especially for, for, for men, um, as Saturnian wounds being that like there, there are a lot of systems that were already in place making us feel miserable and unfulfilled before mm. um, the terror of, of uh, you know, extinction came along. Um, and I guess the Saturnian wound kind of theory being that uh, a lot of men tend to hold their value based purely upon uh, what they can put out um, and what they can bring and what they can offer mm. and and um, how useful they feel at that point in time yeah and solely upon that and so they'll they'll like you know let their health completely go for the sake of workaholism kind of thing mm. um, and while I say that that's particular with men because it sort of identifies that Saturnian, like referring to Saturn or Kronos, the, the, the god that was told that one of his sons would succeed him, so every son that came out, he would devour it. Mm. Um, it's, it's referring to that kind of concept of, um, you know, you hold a very, very, very small and fragile tile on a very, very tall stick and you got to fucking stay on there or you'll die and get eaten um, and push everyone else off too because they're, they're, they're going to push you off, mm. like that kind of idea. Mm. But yeah, lots of people driven. They've been leading, leaning too much on the things that have carried them through life to this point. Um, people that might have started out, you know, started out as children. It was like, oh, you're so talented with the piano and you're so great at the guitar and like you're a beautiful singer and that kind of thing. And uh, just like music as the example, maybe it's, oh, you're so organized. You're so good at this stuff. Like you really get dinosaurs. And then... <laughs> something fun you know and but but things happen to you along your life uh that that force you to lean on these characteristics more so than um you know it 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 takes the 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 magic out of it takes the fun out of it because you've been having to lean on these characteristics maybe it's not interests maybe it's kindness maybe it's patience maybe it's maybe it's anger Mm. you know maybe it's been uh strength expressed through anger and that's been the thing that has carried you through danger through all these issues in the past Mm. um there are so many systems subjective systems going on at work there um that are all very very susceptible to this one thing 
And I think that's the very evil, very cynical part of this is that um, it seems that there are parties out there, mostly Murdoch and his crew of goons and harpies um, that have figured out that uh, there's a type of fear that can leach into all these other things and create an artificial monolith out of this. People aren't monolithic. It's creating that wave. So yeah, it's it's it. That's why it's going to be so hard to pull apart, because it's not going to be. You can't just tell someone the truth, and have them have it, right? Yeah. You can't. If you, if someone's feeling ambivalent about a certain topic, um, and you can't know, uh, unless they've been able to reflect and say, "I'm not sure how I feel about this." Mm. Um, but I'm leaning a bit more towards this, but also this and this and this. Like the, if you haven't had that conversation and worked out how to turn that conversation into a positive thing, then there's absolutely no way you can you can hand the truth to someone um, if they're feeling ambivalent about it, and they're not going to bite your head off. Mm. You know, you ever you ever asked a, like granddad to quit smoking kind of thing? Like <laughs> Harold the the giraffe, the phys ed giraffe said that it was going to be bad and you'll die and fuck off. Like that's the response. Mm. I know, I know it will. Um, it's, it's that resistance. So if you're trying to offer morality or, or, or this kind of um, anything that could be construed as moralizing, really, to people who are feeling that way, they're going to resist. Mm. Um, so, so that's going to be very, very difficult to work through. Um, there's no central thing with this. There, there was one um, that we experienced the disease. Um, we are experiencing a disease. It is it is a particularly nasty one. Um, is it the only one that's ever happened? Not at all. Is it the only one that's happened this century? Not at all. Is it the only zoonotic one that's happened this century? No, it's about the sixth or seventh. Um, is there going to be a COVID twenty? I think there already fucking is. Yeah. Like um, so, we we do really need to figure ourselves out with all this, um, because a lot of this has been like we've been dropped in our asses really hard from that cloud that we were riding. Um, and so it's it's going to take a lot. Yeah. Um, a lot of different elements. Everyone needs to go to their own uh, place and needs, needs to start following their own path and recognizing that life is not going to be about happiness. It's not going to be about comfort. It's about, you can make it meaningful. Does that involve happiness and comfort? Yes. Is it going to be happiness and comfort? No. If you're experiencing happiness for more than like, you know, that pure happiness that people are chasing, if you're experiencing that for more than half an hour, you're on drugs. <laughs> the best bit about happiness is that like it's it's fleeting. Yeah. You know, if you were to feel that way all the time, then I'll be extremely worried. Um, there's a whole Simpsons episode about Homer putting the crayon back up his nose, isn't it? Like, yeah. Giving himself a leucotomy because he couldn't deal with it. Couldn't deal with reality. <laughs> That's a great reference. But it's interesting um, mm. just how, like, you talk about that in such no-nonsense way. And I think that that's, mm. I think we just need to be a little bit more like that. I think it needs to be a bit more like, this is the fucking deal. This is what's happening. Yeah. It's yeah, not going it's- away. Like, I think people have this temporary sense to, hey, everything will go back to normal post-pandemic. But it's like, what yeah. was normal even before that, you know? Well, and it's understandable, like, with Australia, our usual disasters have been seasonal. They've been environmental. Mm. Um, and... You know the 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 December January 
fires or November even that started then like scarred us in so many ways, so many almost irrevocable ways. Like we will not see it within our species lifetime, the full recovery that, that will need to take place. Mm. It can take up to a hundred thousand years for some of the shit. Um, but it's not on fire now. You know, and so we have this idea in our heads of like, oh, that was a big thing that hit us and now it's gone. Mm. Um, 2020, oh, that was a year that hit us, but now it's gone. Like, yeah, the year is gone. It certainly fucking is. What is a year? Yeah. Did nature invent the fucking year or did we invent the year? What's gone? <laughs> oh, so it, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to face that that kind of heavy, grim shit about it. But um, life's chaotic. Yeah. And uh, at the very least, now a lot of people can see how chaotic it can be, mm. even from our sheltered ends. Um, I, I, I feel so much pain and sorrow towards the US yeah. and how they're handling it. And that has been the exact like illustration of what danger uh, that, that exceptionalism has um when when combined with blatant corruption and these kind of things as we saw just these layers of of bullshit getting stacked on top of one another over there Mm. instantly Mm. um and you know while i can understand this is the country that came up with the westboro baptist church um yeah you you, we were just hoping for something different weren't we but it's not It, it shows that's just it's human nature if you hold that mentality um it, it it leads you to feeling a lot of pain and a lot of suffering because the world is going to beat the shit out of that mentality because that mentality is unsustainable mm. Mm. it's not a bad thing to have it we shouldn't feel bad for having it it's it's a natural experience mm. we come by our personalities and our experiences very honestly and that's why it's so hard to pull away from as well it's mm. so like i came by this feeling honestly Am I expressing it dishonestly through, uh, you know, talk about um, 20,000 kids trapped in a tunnel under Luna Park or whatever it is? Like, yeah, that's probably expressing it pretty dishonestly, but the feeling is honest. That's why I want us to start thinking more about the epistemic side of things. Like, mm. let's get back to, you know, I feel this way. Cool. All right, let's talk about that then. Yeah. Because yeah? that's valid. That's awesome. Like, let's, let's, let's lean into that. Let's explore that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's actually it's a really nice way of thinking about it. Just being able to like vocalize those feelings, mm. like because you're right, like feelings aren't wrong. When you have no. feelings, like they're for a reason, but you can explore why or yeah. challenge those notions as to why you feel that way, right? The, like, the feelings are the most valid part about all of this. Mm. Um, it's the most honest part about all of this. And if we want to be an honest species, that because it will have to be in order to make it. Yeah. Like again, like Greg said, it's like we're at that point we can choose to become aliens or we can choose to become extinct like this is this is part of that conversation that does need to sort of happen yeah um if we do want to become awesome total recall six tittied space aliens down the line Mm. um it is to get rid of this idea of like holding our, our fake ideas of us being invincible uh but also declinism is happening and we've all just like come to accept the mad max future so no 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 we we can't have that future we can't have that person um and and we can't keep living like that either Mm. so yeah 
Absolutely. Start talking about feelings, not parallel talking though, like really leaning into it. And I think one of the things when you were talking about the AI computer yeah. is and how people love talking to that computer is learning to listen as well. Mm. You can't argue with a great listener. When was the last time you've, you've had someone that was like a great listener fucking screaming at each other for half an hour? Mm. It never happens. Mm. Even if you disagree with someone, if you're listening to them enough, you can listen to what's behind it. Um, reason why uh, again we've got the, the big figures like the, the Joe Rogans some people hate him some people love him some people feel neutral about him everyone has to agree that um, when he chooses to he can be a really fucking great listener yeah um, when he chooses not to um, it becomes a different thing um, that's his prerogative it's a skill though that I think we should all be building is, is, is that, that um, learn to express and learn to listen again one of the most valuable things that we could be doing with our generational shift that we would be hoping to achieve. Yeah. You know, every other generation's had their big generational you know, impact. Uh, we're suffering the ones of the boomers right now. Um, <laughs> and I guess emotionally, we're probably suffering the wounds of the greatest generation too, because they're the ones that really came back from Second World War and said, oh, feelings, let's not fucking talk about that. Correct. Absolutely not a chance I'm going to talk about that because that will kill me. Mm. Um, I watched a lot of videos of like old veterans chatting to recent veterans actually there's a couple on youtube around that there's, oh, there's like a, a bloke who survived um d-day um having a chat to a bloke who did a bunch of tours in, Af in afghanistan and the, uh, the the difference between the two is striking because one has experienced well they both experienced horrors yeah um but the old the older bloke is looking at the young bloke he's like you've seen hell haven't you you've seen it um and and it's just the different way that they can carry it um, the older bloke is carrying it in what would be considered a more noble way. The cost is to himself. Yeah. Um, the other bloke is able to express these things in a more candid way. Does that take away the romance of war? Yes, it fucking does. Um, that's why people bristle against it because it's not Call of Duty kind of shit. Yeah. Um, Mental health? Yeah, you're meant to be a robot with a gun. It's like, well, no, they're actually still humans with guns. The robots with guns will be in 10 years' time or something. But, um, how, how it's handled and how it's expressed, that, that passes down from generation to generation. So our parents were fucking terrible at talking about mental illness and trauma and that kind of thing because their parents would refuse to actively. Because mm. as soon as you were talking about having a bad time, well, you know, your, your dad was attacked by a flamethrower tank. Like, the, <laughs> that's the context there. And you see a lot of this with post-war um, generations is there's, there's uh, the the culture and the values shift away from being able to talk about these things. Mm. Uh, the genetics shift towards disease from these things. Epigenetics happens. So people get sicker easier if they're the progeny of someone that's experienced, you know, great, significant, complex traumas. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we can make that decision, our smaller decision on the road towards um, cool Blade Runner. Well, not even Blade Runner. That's a fucking depressing one. Cool uh, Star Trek shit. Is, is to be able to ground ourselves again. Yeah. Because we've been gone for a century without it. We've been gone off cold cock since Franz Ferdinand shot shit yeah. down. You know? um, yeah, we'd love to see a bit more of that. And for it to not be... I'm worried about this wellness hippie thing that's coming up a lot as well because it's, it's, <laughs> it's sort of taking that apparatus and making it entirely selfish, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
It's we can't have that. We can't the, have that. The rise of wellness in like the last couple of years has been fascinating to me, mm. and like how it's been like co-opted by like chemist warehouse. You know, yeah, it's, it's like been neoliberalized. Well yeah, it's like yeah. what the fuck? Like, yeah, the systems that we have currently are telling you to value your thoughts. They're telling you how you feel, and they're telling you um, that you need to feel a certain way. Mm. Uh, they're all fucking lies. Don't value your thoughts. You have thousands of thoughts a day, up to 70,000 thoughts a day. I think. Really? There was something like between the studies have been very varied and some of them maybe not very robust, but anything from like a couple of thousand to, you know, 35, I did see 70 out there at some point somewhere, wow. thoughts a day. You've got a, a little white box with a, you know, blinking cursor on your on your phone with a nice little blue on the edges, all psychologically primed. Um, asking you what's on your mind. Yeah. What is on your mind? Validate it right now. Give it, give it weight. Give it weight. It's a, it's a gamble. It's a lottery. Um, so you've got that side and then you've got people saying you should feel a certain way. You should feel better. It's like, you should feel. That's all. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all the guarantee that we have. You can, you can um, tilt yourself towards something the best you very can and hope for the results of feeling better and feeling well. You can do active things to feel well, but it's not not an imperative. Mm. Um, it has to be a choice. And yeah, the way that all these things are being put is 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 creating a fake person for you. It's itches to fit into it. Yeah. You know, it's not quite cut out. It's a department store cut. It doesn't really quite fit you. Some people are bristling. Wow. Mm. This is good. We're going deep. <laughs> I really appreciate this conversation. So the album. <laughs> I was just going to say, before we talk about the album, before we wrap this up, like, mm. is there anything else you could kind of, um, for the listeners, like this mm. is still a stressful time. I think people are like, be happy again, be social, go out. Blah, yeah, blah. we're like, being told another bunch of shoulds, isn't it? Exactly. Like- and I think that it's, it's interesting. Like I found myself, like I'd, you know, like the, the restrictions had eased. We were allowed to leave the 25K radius, blah, blah, mm. blah. But I found myself doing the same routine that I'd stuck myself in for six months. And yeah. it's a hard thing to kind of break out of. Yeah. Using your expertise, Luke, is there anything that like people can do to kind of slowly get back into quote unquote normalcy? Like, There is a actually a fantastic method that I've used with clients. Um, I've been experimenting on it with myself as well. Um I guess there's no quick answer for this because this is Luke Frizz on talking. Oh, so awesome. five years later, I'll finish this <laughs> thought. Um, so I came upon, upon this largely, well, through work, it's a big aspect of what we do with work is, is drawing people in line with their values and getting them back into the community. It's pretty much like that's the central aspect of the job. There's a couple of different things you can do with this. For one, um, recognize that uh, at the moment the the, the habits that um, we've created to keep ourselves comfortable um, involve flicking from app to app to app to app to app. This creates what's called a ludic loop. It's a form of self-hypnosis oh. um, that's creating tiny little microtransactions of dopamine into your system. Every time a new notification comes up, you're flicking between Reddit, oh, cool, no sleep, oh, Ooh, shit, someone just shared my thing. Oop, someone liked my picture. Bang, bang, bang. In between those, Twitter. Oh, someone's going to get into a fight now. Oh, yeah. get the serotonin going. Mm. Um, you just get trapped in it. And I, I, I had clients that were coming to me being like, I fucking, I don't know what to do about this. I really need help. I was on TikTok for nine fucking hours yesterday. Whoa. And, uh, and, and it's like, oh man, like, you know, some 
it's something that we would laugh about if we did it to ourselves. Yeah. But it's thoroughly debilitating, isn't it? Yeah. So the breaking that, finding whatever ways you can do to break that first. Um, delete apps, make it so you can only access things through browsers. Um, practice putting the phone down mm-hmm. um, because it feels weird not having it in your right hand with your thumb hovering over it. Yeah. It feels, your hand starts to feel empty. So get used to that and 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 get used to the idea of uh 2004 school holidays um i've been holding that idea in my head because we didn't know what the fuck to do back then either we didn't certainly didn't have all this stuff we had some of it yeah um, the ps2 wasn't out yet but spider-man was on ps1 and tony hawks was out there's plenty of distractions there's always been distractions um i can remember playing tetris for fucking 10 11 hours when i was a kid you know, just like because I didn't want to do anything. There were things I didn't want to do. So instead I did Tetris. There's been so many distractions. We've been letting ourselves get distracted. I think that a lot of people would do well to explore what their values might be at this stage. Um, and a tool that I like to... A little, sorry, we can treat it like a game. Yeah, It I requires like a pen and paper. The idea being that you pick five or six things. Let's say five or six. Five or six aspects about like you or the universe that you think are great. Aspects like might be personal strengths. It might be like, I really value you know connection because um, I feel like I'm pretty okay at talking to people. Um, or it could be, you know, I feel like I, I, I value nature. It could be like I value sports, like something like that. Just start with anything. Music. Okay, what about the music? Um, getting those onto a piece of paper. So you've got a, got a list of a few things. Like they're just, you know, it can be whatever, whatever you feel is important in your life at this time. Friendship, um, the beach, um, looking at puppies, something, um, heroin, not sustainable, but if it's in there, it has to be in there. We need to, it could be anything. The idea being then, that you start to scale this stuff from one to 10. 10 being like the most important, it's essential. It's the heart of you. Mm. One is, it's pretty negligible. It's, if it's if it's either one, then you want to consider whether it's actually a value or if it's a form of entertainment that you enjoy. Yeah. Um, but that being said, if it's a form of entertainment that you enjoy that is attached to a value, such as like rollerblading plus fitness or like movies plus art, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, then it, it, it counts. But one to 10, rank these values in terms of how important they are to you. If they're all 10s, great. You got so much important shit. Then question yourself, again, using that same scale, one to 10, how much of it is in your life right now? Um, is your value family? Is that value a 10? Is that family, have you not seen them? Have you not spoken to them? Mm. So is that like a, what, a two or three? The question then becomes no longer, you know, this existential, like, what am I going to do with my life? What, what am I? Who am I? These kind of things. It, it, it can be defined and calibrated into, I need to get these numbers back more in line. Yeah. This idea of like, okay, value number one, whatever that might be. Shit. I've, like, I've completely forgotten about the fact that I really held this very close to me in my past world and I haven't done anything about it this year. Yeah. That's been really painful 
it's been very passively painful. I haven't noticed it because it hasn't been there. But it was something that kept me being me. Yeah. I just forgot about it. How? Distractions. So there's this kind of exploration. And then you can enter what's called... Um, it's, a, it's a fun word in how dry it is. It's behavioral activation. You can go into that stage where you are now thinking less about like, oh, what the fuck am I going to do now? What's open? Does anyone want to talk to anymore? Does anyone remember me anymore? You know, having these questions, it's now like, all right, motherfucker, I value fitness and I've been doing nothing with my body and my body's been feeling like just a ragged collection of ghosts all year now. So what do I do with it? Well, shit. Gym's back open. I don't want to go to the gym. What can I do? So you start thinking about activities. You know, do I want to go to a national park and just go walk amongst the trees for a bit, maybe see a bird? Yeah. Birds are more interesting than I am, so that sounds great. Like You can start to activate the values and put them into your behaviors um, while hopefully people's schedules are still fairly middling to free there's there's a great value to finding ways in which you can express these values with that free time mm. it can be as simple as arranging to speak to someone once a week a friend uh, making making a, a, a effort pact together on that it's like we will agree to catch up or chat on the phone at this time. Yeah. It could be, I'm going to watch the sunset and watch the sunrise uh, every day for a month. Shit like that, you know. That's how you get your sense of control back because the control is not going to be on the world. It's control is not going to be on other people. It's entirely within yourself. Mm. So once you can start to reshift that and rehold that, I'd really like be interested to see uh, what shift that can have on people's psyche. Because when you're completely yourself, when you're a complete human, you're very, very different to um, where you are when you're a panicked beast. Like a dog in the corner, you know? Yeah. So any, any, any mammal that gets put into a corner is going to react in that way. Yeah. Any mammal. We're a mammal. We can't deny that. Um, we, yeah, we, we, we act out. And so rather than spending this time, I guess, punishing ourselves for acting out, um, if there needs to be apologies made, uh, then they should absolutely be made. Uh, you have to have the courage to offer that apology as we've offered the insult in the past. Um, and some of the things that might have been said or have been done that were very extreme, that was sort of in, like once the, that panic had reached an ideological stage and some bridges may have been burned, we need to accept that. Um, all you can do once those bridges have been burned is is just try to be a more complete version of yourself. And hopefully, if you want that bridge to be built back up again, um, it will in time. Yeah. Um, we have to be patient. No one's patient. Yeah, humans patient. aren't very good at being patient. That's no. uh... Well, we are when we, we, when we intend to be. Yeah, it's it, it, It's, again, once you can sort of sh- change, it's all about your perception of things, isn't it? If we, if we think of impatience as this outside force that just has a grip on our genitals every day, it's like gives us a squeeze anytime we're taking too long to do something. I would, I love playing these thought experiments with myself when I'm in those, like you're stuck in traffic. Ah, no one likes being in traffic. Mm. Okay. I'm now going to make this a game as to how patient I can be mm. despite everything. 
And so every time someone cuts you off or fucking does whatever or gives you the finger or whatever, it's like, hi, you're trying to get me. You're trying to get me. But I'm still winning the game. Yeah. So you can start to play these kind of little fun fun games with yourself to, to stretch your legs a bit back into feeling more together. Yeah. And um, I found that's been a really sustainable way to do it. Hopefully uh, it's worth a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I think if everyone just did a little bit of that, the world would be a much better place. You know, if we could all just take that little second before the flipping off or the, you know, the screaming yeah. in the car, it's like, fuck, imagine that, like that, the ripple effect that would have on the society, you know? Well, yeah. Like, well, I guess the key with that one is you have to hold patience as one of your values, really. Mm. Take, take the things that you want to, there's a, that great quote by David Goggins of like, he didn't see any role models or peers that he wanted to be. Um, he didn't have any idols. Um, he didn't see people oh man I want to be that guy mm. he had to create someone and then become him and that was his entire thing like he was saying I had to create a guy who didn't exist in my mind and then fill the space that that guy created it's like Taylor making so, the suit instead of getting one off the shelf you know? yeah so so now we're we're in that stage you can you can create who you want to be and um, author that in a certain way really it, it, it takes some work it takes some honest work uh, it's pretty pretty fucking exhausting too um, because sometimes you, you, you look at the things like oh I want to be this I want to be this and then you can reflect on the reality of how we have been and it might have been opposite to that yeah. um, context is everything there um, we tend to forget it I used to I used to hold myself to the metric of um, well, still do you hold yourself to the metric of the worst that you've ever been, um, and you don't tend to think about uh, the world that might have led you into that spot, um, because at the heart of it there was still responsibility on your end, and so we just think about the worst that we've ever been, and we sort of you know kick our asses for that mm. rather than thinking about what we could, what we want to be what we really dream of being not what we want to experience not what we want to see but who we want to be mm. um so making these kind of things your values and then leaning towards them and actively uh i guess rebuilding that entire thing i was talking about earlier about how through a lot of childhood we've had to natively lean on things aspects of ourselves that have carried us through stuff yeah. and how that's been a big aspect of this year um if you're a stoner you've leaned into it if you're a writer you've leaned into it if you're a runner you've leaned into it you know um so instead of of just sort of keeping that cycle going and feeling like it's all just out of your grip and like oh i don't know what's going on but i know i like this and i need to have the volume turned down on the world by exactly 420 every day kind of thing it's like okay well that's one part. It's not going to carry you. Yeah. Build the things that will carry you. Like, oh man, I actually really think I want to, you know, do something more for people. Start volunteering, that kind of thing. Like there's room for that. Yeah. There's always going to be room for that. The only time there's not room for that is uh, where, where you're existing in a place that life doesn't. Um, that's, that's when you stop having those opportunities mm. to, to do cool shit that makes you feel complete. But yeah, I advise people not to chase happiness at this stage or chase this sensation of making up for what's been lost. 
um, because that's that same FOMO mentality that's been used to sell us chia pets and fucking jet skis for decades. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just filthy. It's a filthy, like FOMO, what's the first word of that acronym? Fear. So we can't be leaning on 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 these things that have even either driven us to it through fear or through fear of you know I'm, I've missed out in a whole year I've got to get all this in. No, start very basic. You know what do you like about the universe? Doesn't have to be if you don't like anything about yourself. What do you like to see in other people? Kindness. Um, you know whatever, and then taking that part path. Yeah. Wow. That's good. It's great advice, man. I think the mm. listeners will hopefully really appreciate that. I, <laughs> I am right now. I'm just being so, like, that's exactly. And I had that same feeling too. It's like, mm. we're back out. We've got to fucking start pretending that, you know, it never we're happened. so driven. Yeah, yeah exactly. sick of being driven. And like, after, you know, growing up and watching things like Earthlings and all these, these, these things that really changed how I, how I see my place in the world. But this idea of the bovine. And how we hold bovine animals in a really contemptible way, right? We 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 um, think of ourselves as as much much bigger than cows and pigs and sheep. Uh, why? Well, because when we cram them into these fucking little places, they they act like idiots. Oh, look at that stupid pig jumping out of a truck! Yeah. What an idiot! Doesn't he know it's a truck? Well, for fuck's sake! But it shows, you know, if we if we if we're caging ourselves and being driven by something yeah um we don't care where we're going so we just matter that we're getting away from bad thing right so yeah <laughs> yeah we gotta stop we really gotta we, we we think that things stopped um they didn't the uh the the river was dammed and it all come came swirling and getting all fucking brackish and 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 stinky behind mm. that dam and now we can't we can't just uh can't just take the dam all away and expect everything to go back to normal. There is no normal. Yeah, you gotta you gotta fucking get in there and really filter through that stuff and try to really think about how you're going to be moving forward. Yeah, instead of just being pushed. Fucking amazing, man. <laughs> well done. Now, before you go, should we talk a little bit more about the band? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Tristan and Nelson are very, very nice guys. They're very patient with me talking about all this stuff rather than um, pushing the album. But yeah, we, we have, uh, we're very excited. It's going to, oh shit, 12 hours and it's out. Um, yeah, spent a very, very long time working on this thing every week. Um, well, They've been working on it for years. I came in every week for, for years um, after work and would just grind this stuff out. Um, it's very personal. Um, but we've also tried to make it very accessible uh, lyrically. Um, we will make sure the lyrics are easily available online um, because otherwise these things don't really have the context. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a very heavy album. Um, at the outset, it appears very negative. Um, I've deliberately left it very unclear lyrically as to whether I'm referring to actual deaths or more like a Jungian death of mm. like a renewal and what has to come after that. Um, I'm leaning towards the latter, latter appurtenance there, leaning towards that because um, there's no no knowledge of, of, of what recovery can come from absence of life. 
um, apart from relief. Um, and so the, the the character in this story is trying to to decide, make that decision. You know, do they want release or do uh, they they want rock bottom? Um, what will rock bottom provide for them? Can they stand on it? Um, will release be better into the nothing, into the ether? They're making a very very big choice. You don't get to see what choices made. The, the 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 fact is that they made a choice, and we're going to be dealing with that in future uh, releases. But this one's very um, yeah very heavy. It's very angular sounding. I like that word a lot because it's it's one of the only ways to describe Tristan's writing. Um, he was sort of expressing it himself as as uh, he gets locked into things um, with the way the way he's got a very uh, neurodivergent brain. He's got a, he, he's got his way. Of, of, of seeing the universe um, and it's this beautiful way and it results in him getting locked onto like a sound or, or the relationship between two notes specifically and he'll just spend all day trying to work out what that means and so there's a lot of exploration happening a lot of these riffs has just been through pure exploration there's no theory really going behind the, the guitar work it's all been like let's push this against this and see if it bristles or see if it flows yeah um, and then deciding that no, we don't want things to flow easily. We want this to be very jarring because it is a jarring experience. You, you walk out the front door thinking the world's going to be one way, um, and then a smell or a sound or a sight happens, and then you're in hell world. Yeah. So and you, you you still need to straddle both worlds because you're trying to live your own life while also existing in hell world at that point in time. So. Um, that's what we're sort of looking to really address with the contents of the album. Um, there's over an hour of material there. So you all have time. What are you talking about? Um, but I guess it's, it's been compared a lot to bands like Carbomb, uh, Gorguts, uh, Dillinger Escape Plan. Um, there was comparisons to Cult of Lunar. In there. There's all kinds of comparisons to all kinds of different things. Hmm. Uh, Gojira, Mastodon, Yeah, I can, Tool. Hear, I can hear all it's of that in there, actually, funnily enough, now that yeah, you said like, that. Like, there's a lot explored in there. Yeah, yeah, it's really like, dense. It was it was very uh, it was novel experience to feel myself uh, being compared to Tool in like a a, a positive way. Um, I think I've the last time I got compared to Tool was probably like a high school band I was in um, back when it, it it was definitively not cool to want to be Tool because it was two thousand again two thousand five kind of time <laughs> where uh, you had to be in a metalcore band. Um, so yeah, it was like oh that's fun yeah yeah need to listen to that band i haven't listened to it in years i didn't listen to that new one i probably should have i don't know i i I forgot that they'd released a new one (laughs) such is the way such is the way of this year in particular everyone forgets everything don't forget this album by growth yeah (laughs) and it's coming out uh it'll be out right now when you listen to this podcast guys follow the link in the description it is is titled the smothering eyes of mercy um we hope you like it fantastic Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here talking it's, about brains. I couldn't think of anyone better to do it than you, man. So thank you. Oh, there's plenty, plenty better, but uh, we'll find ways to access them But they for don't you. have an album coming out tomorrow. So. It was like, oh, and we don't, we don't, you don't have their email address. So we'll work on fixing both of these things and then we'll see what results can come. You got any access to some neuroscientists or something? That'd be a pretty wild podcast mm. episode. Oh, yeah, I would love to. Um, I need to find... Uh, find some more out there um, but I mean there, there are some some great uh, great people for people like 
people to be looking into and looking at in their own time. If you are interested in reading and hearing, I'll find some names here. One of them in particular is uh, Dr. Russ Harris. He's an Australian. Um, he's from Melbourne, actually, I'm pretty cool. sure. Uh, he's, he's one of the central uh, figures and peak bodies for acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a style that focuses very much on turning towards values and, and um, being able to experience emotions as they are um, in that ephemeral way that they're meant to be experienced um, without getting stuck or hooked yeah. on certain thoughts and emotions. So that's been very, very useful for this year in particular. Uh, Stephen Hayes is another one. Um, he's one of the people that came up with that therapy style. Um, he came up with it because he had a anxiety disorder that was uh, so severe that the traditional methods weren't helping that cognitive behavioral therapy of like, this thought adapted, this one maladapted, this is good, this is bad. Like he, he took all that out of it. He's like... Um, so that's been a really, really useful one. Um, I guess when it comes to the idea of uh, the effects on the body that might be being experienced at this very point in time, there's uh, Bessel van der Kolk um, wrote a great book called The Body Keeps the Score. Um, speaks to a lot of these things about uh, the, the relationship between the limbic brain and the body. Cool. Um, I just finished reading uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins as well. Um, no, it's it's it, he, he's a figure that tends to be touted more by uh, potentially by more like alt right figures and whatever because he's got that exceptionalist like he's come from nothing become something so he he fits yeah. that mold same as Schwarzenegger and these people they've come from you know rags to riches kind of thing but I think in his case I really liked it because it wasn't the rags to riches kind of story it was ragged person to complete person yeah. And that's what he was really trying to achieve. And he was trying to achieve it not intellectually because he's not the most intellectual person. Um, he was trying to do it through experience and action. So that's a very valuable one. Um, and the other one that I've really, really, really loved. Well, there's two, actually. Um, one's called Indestructible by Nia Eyal, which is all about um, these, these uh, thought processes and how they get hijacked by the systems that support us. Um, and how to de-hijack yourself and create traction where there was distraction. Ah. Um, so that's really, really useful. Um, and also, the man, I've, I've been obsessed with this book for the last, as soon as it came out, um, How to Have Impossible Conversations by Peter Bogosian. Um, he speaks to epistemology in particular um, and the idea that... Uh, conversations like need to be characterized and recontextualized um and we need to learn how to have them we need to relearn how to have them because we we unless you did uh, toastmasters stuff in primary school a lot of schools didn't do um we don't really have too many of these skills natively mm. um we had them very natively when we we're little kids we we're really good at it when you're five and six and watching kids when they're four and five talking about things what do you like i like this why do you like that well because this and we look, oh, look at that, so simple. We're just jealous. We're just jealous. We all wish that we could go to the playground and be like, do you like Slipknot? Yes, do you like Slipknot? Yes, let's be friends. Like we, yeah. we, we miss that. We're always looking for that. Yeah. So getting skills in how to have that in an adult context is very, very, very helpful. So um, Bogosian's famous for being the guy who's he's usually gotten stuck into like a lot of that, the PC, anti-PC, ID, poll kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
I think he was he was bemoaning um, the lack of, of of critical judgment in academic papers, and so he started doing sneaky things like putting super progressive titles on on research papers that had tracts lifted from Mein Kampf hidden in there and that kind of thing, just to see whether they got peer reviewed or not. Um, yeah. So he's he's a bit of a contrarian, but mm. ma- has managed to come up with a really really useful um, thing about connecting people. So highly recommended. Hey guys, hope you really enjoyed this episode with Luke Frizzon. Uh, you can check out Growth's new album, The Smothering Arms of Mercy, on Spotify right now or wherever you get your music. I'm putting a link here. I assume most people listen to this either in Spotify or Apple Podcasts. <laughs> so if you're a Spotify person listening to this podcast, you can just jump straight across in the links in the show notes to listen to the album. It's fucking amazing. Uh, also there, you can check out other links. You can support the show on Patreon. If you want to kick in a couple of bucks, that would be lovely. Uh, Other than that, hope you all have a great weekend and I'll see you for another episode very soon. Cheers.